Well, good morning, church. You know, uh, last Wednesday night was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And uh, if you weren't here, uh, just let me basically say this. Here's just a snapshot up on the screen. Uh, there, was, there was so much more going on. Little kids, bouncy houses, some games going on. Uh, about 240, 250 people maybe that were involved here. When we first showed up, there was about 30 or 40 people bringing some food around. We prayed. Next thing you know, little by little, we were running out of food. For the first time in church history, we probably struggled with feeding people the main dish. Um, there was enough other stuff left over, but... Uh, it was sort of an amazing night, so thank you to all who served and came and participated. I hope you walked out of here just feeling blessed. Um, this is really, I don't know, a, a, an exciting time for the future of True North Church. Now, <clears throat> sometimes every now and then you'll see somebody get in front and they're like, I'm so excited to be here today. My heart's just racing. <laughs> and we're like, really? Um, now, you know me, I'm not like the kind of person that's, um, I, at least I hope I'm not, a showboaty person, but if I get excited about something, sometimes you may or may not realize it. I don't always show it on my face, um, <clears throat> but if I'm not showing it now on my face, in my heart, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm really excited about the future of True North Church. There, there's a lot going on. Here's the first, the first thing, spiritual growth. Next Sunday, we begin a discipleship journey, and I say a short journey because the disciples were with Jesus for three years. That's a long journey, three years, right? If you've been a part of every man, a warrior in this church, uh, if you're one of those men, you went through the three books, that was a nine-month journey, okay? Um, so this is a 10-week journey that we're beginning with together as a whole church. So that's why I say it's sort of a short. The discipleship program, the name of it is called Rooted. Not to be confused with our college group, which we called Rooted before this ever came along. But it's called Rooted. That's what the workbook looks like. Every Sunday, basically, I'm going to be preaching out of Acts chapter 2 along that area. We just covered Acts chapter 1 through 12. Now we're going to come back to Acts chapter 12 and get firmly rooted in what the rhythms of that early church were like. During that time, like the rest of the week, you'll grab your workbook if you want one. This is optional for you. You'll grab your workbook, you'll open up, there's five days of reading. Every day, two to three pages with some reflection questions. So I preach on Sunday, during the week, you do some extra reading. Um, I'd say this, listening on Sunday is obviously beneficial, okay? The additional reading, I'm going to call that, that's even better. But here's what makes it best. You connecting with what you read in the workbook with another person, a spouse, a friend, uh, a small group. Some of you are already in small group Bible studies. You already have things going on. Um, for instance, <clears throat> uh, Thursdays, there's a group of people that serve every Thursday here at the food pantry. Some of them are going through the workbook. So together, we can always say, hey, hey, day two, or you know, the other day when you're reading this, what do you think? Uh, give me an example. For my, myself, obviously I'm going to be preaching through this, okay? But then during the week, I'm going to be going through the workbook as well. And I know Jenny is as well. So Jenny and I will probably have a couple conversations here and there like, hey, so today's reading, what do you think? The whole point is accountability. See, we, we want to grow. We want to dig into God's word and grow. But here's the best thing. It's when you start connecting with other people in the church. So I want to encourage you uh, to, to not just be here on Sunday, but to dig a little bit deeper. The more you engage, the more you're involved, I believe the more you're going to benefit from it. Workbooks are $15 each. If you can't afford it, let me know. You can sign up on the back table. We did have a small order books come in, and there's just a few left. 
And if you've uh, already contacted me a week ago, your book is out there. If you're just signing up today, yours will be here this week. And you can pick it up Wednesday night, hopefully, or uh, throughout the week, or on next Sunday. So just want to let you know what's coming because we will begin those workbooks a week from Monday. Hopefully that's clear. I wanted to do that from the pulpit because I want, I want to make sure you're all in on this. Um, that's, that's the first thing that I'm excited about. The next thing I'm excited about this church, besides our spiritual growth, because for me, that's where it begins. Part of what happens when we grow spiritually, though, we grow physically, too. We've been talking about this for a long time, about adding, so it'd be to your right, my left, an addition over here that would have a new nursery and four children's classrooms. Much larger than we have now. Some of you know if you work with the children's classes, especially preschool, there's no room in some of these rooms. Matter of fact, one of our classrooms is the kitchen on Wednesday night. That's the kind of space we're struggling with. Hey, let's just meet in the kitchen with the kids. Doesn't seem right, but that's what we do. Hopefully, prayerfully, as the building project gets announced if here in a couple months, we'll announce more. You'll understand why we need it and how we're planning to take care of this. The existing classrooms then become rooms for adult education. So Sunday morning, there might be a class for adult education, Wednesday night, a class for parenting or whatever it may be. So we have that option now, which is a very helpful thing. So that's, that's the second thing that, that I'm excited about. The third thing is, as we're preparing to expand spiritually and physically, we need to staff this to make sure. So we have been seeking over the last year uh, another position, another pastoral position. And again, that's coming soon to be announced, hopefully next month. Uh, I'll be sharing from the pulpit where we're going with all this. There's a lot going on in this church. I'm very thankful for that. And I, I hope you're excited as well. But here's the thing. It can be also scary. It can be a little scary. And not so much the building and staffing, but possibly the spiritual growth. Why would that be scary? Because we're basically painting a big bullseye on our back that says, I love Jesus. And the devil says, oh, there's my target, Right? We have witnessed, um, as you look through the first 12 chapters of Acts, the apostles and how they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and worshiping and giving and singing. And, and, and so as they were growing in their faith, the persecution began. Of course, the persecution is what scattered them to help grow the church. But their faith was strong. And because they had strong faith, their faith was challenged. Persecution and pain accompanied their decision to have placed their faith in De along with their faith in Jesus Christ. So it sort of seemed like they had this incredible courage and strength that really defined the early church. And, and I thought about this courageous faith and this courageous strength that this early church had. And I, and I was thinking, that's what I want for this church. I mean, we've got a lot of exciting things coming, but with this church, if we're going to be saying, hey, I'm all in, I want to grow spiritually, and we're going to possibly build and, and hire another pastor, and as we're growing, and again, it's not about us, but it's one of those things like, how can we reach more people for Jesus? If we're taking these active steps to move forward and growing in our faith, guess what? We better be strong. And I'm not talking just physically, but we've got to be strong spiritually. And so it's sort of a, sermon today to sort of prepare us like as we get ready to go into this rooted I pray we're strong I pray our faith is courageous and, and, and of course when I think about strong you look at the Old Testament and God was often telling his people be strong and courageous 
Be strong and courageous. He knew his people would be tested. God knows. God knows you and I are going to be tested. He knew we were going to face things bigger than we could handle. He knew the, the people, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they're going to face things bigger than they can handle. And he said, be strong and courageous. Matter of fact, if you're looking in your Bible in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31, this is one of the first times you're going to hear this mentioned in the Old Testament, but then it's repeated throughout very often. But in chapter 31, it says this, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. See, with God saying, be strong and courageous, he always says this, because I'm with you. I mean, when you've, when you, if you're a little kid and you've got a big brother and you're going to school and you're a little nervous about going to school, you, your fear is sort of gone because big brother's with you, right? In this situation, it's more than that. It's the Heavenly Father. And he says, I'm going with you. And so God says this to Moses and they're passing this off to the people. Moses turns to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous, right? And then God goes to Joshua in verse 23 and says, Then the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words, Be strong and courageous, for you must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them, and I will be with you. Again, that be strong and courageous is always accompanied by God saying, and I'm going to be with you. He tells Moses, he tells the children of Israel, Moses tells Joshua, God tells Joshua, come on, we're going to be growing, we're going to be, we're going to be getting stronger, you're getting closer to me, so you better be strong. You better be courageous, you're going to face some things. And I looked this scripture up and tried to figure out what does it mean to be strong? I mean, this phrase, be strong, is used a couple hundred times in the Old Testament has various meanings. They might have like four or five different, well, this is what it means to be strong. This is what it means. Here's the one for this particular one. And the, the only way I can make sense of it is sort of like this. If I have two boards, I, nail, I hammer a nail into those two boards, bring them together, okay? It's, they're, they're, pretty, they're fastened, right? But I need to make it stronger. So I'm going to hammer a second nail in it to make it stronger. So when it says be strong, it's like that second nail going and making it even stronger. It's like if you caulk things, it's like a caulk in there. It's going to seal it up. I'm going to make it stronger. That's what this phrase is getting at. And God doesn't command us to be strong on our own. He's like, I want you to be strong and figure it out. I mean, if your coach says, hey, let's get stronger, you go into the weight room, and who's, who's doing the lifting? You are. You're doing all the work yourself because you're the only one that can get stronger. It's like I stand next to my buddy. It's like, you just keep lifting weights. Yeah, I'm feeling stronger, man. You keep lifting. That doesn't work that way. Sometimes we think that's the way it works with God, right? He says, be strong. The strength comes from God. He isn't asking you to muster this up on your own. In the book of Psalm chapter 28, you can turn there if you want. I'll put it up on the screen. Psalm 28 verse 7, 8 says this. The Lord is my strength and shield. See, see, God's the strong one. I trust him with all my heart. He, he helps me. And my heart is filled with joy. I burst out with songs of thanksgiving. Look at verse 8. The Lord gives his people strength. It doesn't say, I'm strong. No, the Lord gives the people his strength. And throughout the Bible, God's people are reminded that God is strong. And that he gives us the strength to be strong. And even when you look up Google pictures, be strong in the Lord, this is what you get. You get some guy flexing, right? 
Because that's what we all think. We think, I'm strong, man. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is physical strength. This past week, I had an opportunity, and I do this on a weekly basis. I get to speak to hundreds of kids, uh, athletes in different teams and sports all, all around Fulton County, Williams County, Henry County. And um, this past week, we were talking about being strong, physically strong, but then mentally and emotionally strong too, right? And, and I gave them the example of a gentleman by the name of Sean Harper. Sean Harper was an offensive lineman for uh, the Indianapolis Colts. He was a big dude. He would come and we'd do some school assemblies. He's like, hey, Rex, uh, can you get me a bunch of phone books and frying pans? All right. So we'd go into a school and he'd take a phone book. Well, the first question I had to ask all, this, all the athletes was, do you guys know what a phone book is? Because I really feel this generation maybe wouldn't know because, you know, we really don't use them anymore. They actually knew, so I was surprised. So good job, parents. Um, but it wasn't those Fulton County phone books. It was those bigger phone books that had the yellow pages in it. And he took that phone book and he's like, he's like, ripped it, you know, and I'm thinking, dude, strong. I mean, 10-page paper, that's hard to rip sometimes, you know what I'm saying? He's ripping his phone book half. Then he took, and I'll, I'll show you what I showed the kids, then he took a frying pan, and he just, he just rolled it down his leg, and it ended up like this. This used to be a good frying pan. You can do eggs or whatever you want to do on here. Now it's only good for a burrito, I think. I think you just sort of slide the tortilla shell in there, set it on the oven, let it heat up, and then Dump it out and you're good. Either that or if some of you want to mess around, uh, stand next to a cop car and just act like cars go by like you're, like you're clocking them or something. It may be uh, Instagram, TikTok. You want to pretend it's a microphone or a hairdryer. I don't care. It's not good for anything anymore, okay? Because some big, strong dude took a frying pan and just rolled it up and go, here you go, right? I hand this around to the kids. They're all like trying to pull it apart and they're like breaking nails. Like, I can't do it. It's like, I know because you're not strong like him, right? The dude is strong. And when we think about being strong in the Lord, you get these pictures of these guys flexing, and it's like, be strong in the Lord. That's not what we're talking about. Then you're like, what well, Rex? What about Samson? You guys remember Samson? He's a strong man in the Old Testament. You look in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 15, we read how Samson, a man of God, was facing the Philistine army. The Philistines were the enemy. And they're attacking. Samson grabs the jawbone of a dead donkey, okay, grabs the jawbone and he kills 1,000 Philistines. The dude was strong. Broke chains all the time, right? He was, you always read about all the, these incredible feats. But here's the thing. When we look in Scripture, we're like, I wonder what he looked like. He had to, he had to be bulking out, right? Huge muscles, right? You help me find it. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it talks about his physique. What do he look like? We really don't see it. We don't know. He could have been, you know, five, two hundred pounds. I don't know. But all I know is this. He was busting things and breaking things, and the dude was strong, right? That's what comes to my mind when I think about being strong. Here's a second story. Benaya. Benaya. So you're like, Benahu? Second Samuel, chapter 23, Old Testament. Benaya was, uh, he was one of David's mighty men. He had like his 30 incredible men. They were famous about 900 BC, so about 3,000 years ago. You got these, these, these mighty warriors. They were from different backgrounds of life. They were relatives. They were outcasts. They were fugitives. But they all came together. They had one thing in common. They were going to protect King David. They, they were going to follow God, the God that King David worshipped. And we're going to protect David. Benaiah was one of those men. Benaiah's name, by the way, means Jehovah built. Jehovah built. I'm telling you, if, you're, if your name means God built you, 
That's strong, right? So you already got a little idea what this guy's going to be like, right? His father was a priest. He was from the tribe of Levi. He was in charge of David's guards. So just like the president has secret service, his bodyguards, David had his bodyguards, and Benaiah was in charge of them. That's Benaiah. We only read about him like two stories maybe, and they're only like a verse or two long. 2 Samuel 23, verses 20, says this. We'll back it up. There is also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from, Get- from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Oh, and another time, on a snowy day, slow down on this, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Moving on, and you read on Scripture, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pause, please. No pun intended. But stop for a second, okay? He chased a lion into a pit? If you're watching a movie and this is, you're watching a movie, right now you're saying, don't go in there, right? Don't go after. You're like telling the hero to not go where he's going to get killed. Not in this situation. You have to sit there and think, the dude must have been crazy. Benya doesn't mean Jehovah built. It means crazy built, right? Because, I mean, who chases a lion? You run from lions. You don't chase lions. First of all, that lion is probably 500 pounds plus. And as with huge paws and claws, it will shred you. Secondly, you don't chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day where you have no traction to get out of the pit. You are trapped in there one-on-one. Guess who's going to win? Lion, 100% of the time, right? Who would do these things? Well, that's Benaiah. See, when you think about strength, these are the people I think about. Let me... Side note this for a second. What if opportunities in our life are often described as maybe an insurmountable obstacle? What if bad things help prepare us for good things? Could that have been the line in this situation? Do we look at our tough situations like Benaiah looks at a lion as an opportunity to, to chase after success or an opportunity to run? What is it? Sometimes I look at my life and I wonder, has fear crippled me and kept me from going to my faith? Are my challenging circumstances in life there for a reason or are they there for purpose? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why am I going through this? Could that be a lion situation in your life right now? Could this be an opportunity for something big to happen or is it something you're going to run from? There's a time in life when students are, you know, they're graduating, and as a parent, you're sitting there, and as a student, you're sitting there saying, what's next? You know, maybe as a parent, your kids are making bad decisions. Maybe they're going to uh, parties and just doing things like, oh, man, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. And then you're, you're, you're left wondering, am I doing a bad job in parenting? Maybe spouse, you're bickering with each other. You've got health issues that are challenging you. And all these circumstances are basically one big lion just roaring at you. And you have a choice to run away or run to. Typically, we run in the opposite direction. But what if these circumstances had a purpose? What if this moment in life was meant to draw us closer to God? I wonder that, see this whole lion situation? This was before Benaiah became the commander of David's army. 
I wonder if he was on his resume. Oh, hey, I chased the lion and killed it in a snowy pit. David's like, dude, you're in. I, I don't know. Is, is that how he got there because of that? I, I don't know. But I had to ask myself this question. What is it that scares me? What is it that scares you, church? What haunts you? What is your lion? For me, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be very transparent with you this morning. Here's, here's my lion. Fear of failure. I hate failing. I, I, I don't want to come up on a Sunday morning and, and, and not preach what God's told me to preach or say something wrong or preach in a way that doesn't connect or, or maybe I'm speaking to a group and I forget to say certain things. And there's times I've walked away from a, a team and it's like, oh, I forgot to mention that verse or I forgot to say that. And it frustrates me because I feel like I have failed. There's times when I've, I know as a father or as a, or as a husband, I've not done what I should have done. And, and, and it's like, I don't like to fail. That, that's my lion. And see, as man, we're taught to run from the beast. But Benya chose the opposite. He heard the roar and he went after it. I have a friend who, uh, there's a book called In the Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And it's based off, or it's written all about this story. So you got a whole book on this one verse, basically. And I had a friend that read the book and he was telling me about it. And he said this, he said, hey, Rex, here's what the thing. I believe sometimes we got to run to that roar in our lives. We need to be okay with being uncomfortable. And the only way to grab the lion by the mane is to simply try. Lion chasers do not avoid opportunities or challenges. And he shared that with me, and I was thinking, wow. If when I run from the lion, have I limited the possibility of God doing something amazing in my life? When I run from what he's asking me to do? So here's where I'm at. It's like, okay, let's admit our fear. Let's call it what it is. That's a scary roar, but I'm going to chase after it. It may be taken to a place where you are very uncomfortable, but it takes you to a place where you can achieve victory. Now listen very carefully as church. I'm not saying that chasing a lion means making a careless decision. Did you hear that? Because some people are like, oh, well, I, I'm not sure if I should do this in my life, but Rex said chase the lion, so um, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. There, there's a reason why Benya jumped into the pit. There's a reason why. We don't know what it is. Was that lion, like, decimated a village, killed somebody he loved? Was it a, I, I'm going to guess right now, it wasn't a dare, it wasn't a bet, like a triple dog dare you to jump in there and kill that lion. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that. There's a reason why Benya jumped in the pit. We don't know what it is. But there's a reason why God tells us to chase the lion. And before you make any careless decision, you should be going to God in prayer about it. Before you decide, you know what, I've, that's my lion, I probably should, you better talk to God about it first. God, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to be saying? Is this where I'm supposed to go with all this? So before you quit a job or drop a relationship or go out on them, seek God in prayer. If God says, chase the lion, then you go do it. You go do it. But when we speak of being strong in the Lord, those are the things I think about. I, I think of the physicality. I think of Samson. I, I think of Benaiah. I think of like, I got to be strong to do this, right? 
But, it's, but it goes beyond that as well. It's being mentally, it's being spiritually strong as well. It's exemplified in certain ways for me being relentless or me being resilient and not giving up. It's, it's saying, this is right, this is wrong, and it's going to take courage, but I'm going to stand for what is right. And I know everybody over there that says that's, that's okay to do, and I know it's wrong. I'm going to be laughed at. I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be that kid, that, that person at work that doesn't give in. That's strong. That's being strong. And God says, listen, I'm not just going to tell you to be strong, which he does, right? But look what he does. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Look at this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, Paul's looking at Timothy. Timothy is this young leader, and he's like, Timothy, man, I, I know you're scared right now. You're leading a church, and you're, you're, in, you're in a, a city that is very godless, and you are telling everybody to stand up their faith, and you're choosing this. <sighs> Timothy, listen. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. He needed to know that what he was facing in his life right now was not from God. For some of you, you're like, I fear speaking in front of people. I don't like to confront people. Um, I, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going to look foolish. Uh, I, I'm afraid of rejection. Uh, I don't like dealing with fear. Can I just tell you something right now? Fear does not come from God. I was driving down the road the other day. I saw this sign. I was at a, stop, I was at a stoplight, so I was able to take a picture. Don't worry, I wasn't driving it. Okay, I was stopped, and I was like, I got to take a picture of this. Was, this was a long airport highway. It said, Fields of Fear. Yep, it's, it's haunting season. October's coming, right? Uh, advertisement for this upcoming fall event, which is meant to scare your pants off, right? Listen, we struggle with fear, in not just America, but in this world. We medicate ourselves to deal with anxiety and fear in our life. We try to eliminate all these emotions, and then we go to places like this and pay for it. It's like, I don't get it. You know, like, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. I'm gonna, I need to take some medicine. I need to talk to a counselor. And then it's like, I'm gonna go get myself scared. It's like, we're, we're mixed up people, aren't we? And I was trying to think about how that doesn't make sense, right? Meanwhile, next month, FCA holds this thing called Fields of Faith. And here's the thing about Fields of Faith. It's a night set aside when hundreds of thousands of students from all over the globe will meet outside their school somewhere, and they're going to pray. It's all student-led. They're just reading Scripture and praying, and they're circling up at the very end and just praying. Those are called fields of faith. Now, let's think about this. Fields of fear runs multiple nights. They sell out. They make a lot of money. Fields of faith, well, you see we had about 80 people there maybe that night. What's wrong with this picture? When we know what we need is a stronger faith, but we're willing to put more money into fear. What are we choosing? See, everybody deals with fear. The question is, are you going to fight it or are you going to run from it? I think about the first step of dealing with these fears is to understand they're not from God. A significant step to say is, hey, this isn't God making me feel this way. God doesn't give me this. Maybe, maybe your fear is coming from some of the personality. Maybe it's a weakness of the flesh. Maybe it's a demonic attack. Whatever it may be, it's not from God. I'll tell you that about fear. And when you're dealing with these kind of fears, understand this. God gives you what you need to face those fears. A spirit of power and love and sound mind. A spirit of power. We see, when we do this, we proclaim his word. We represent God's kingdom. And we have all the power that we need from God's kingdom to support us. We are safe in his hands. 
And then he says, I give you the power of love. You know what the power of love looks like? It was shown by Jesus himself. He was about ready to go to the cross. He's going to wash the feet of his disciples. Somebody's going to betray me. Somebody's going to deny me. And they're all going to run from me in the garden, right? So, but I'm going to wash your feet anyway because I love you. He gives you that kind of power of love. He gives you the power of a sound mind. The Greek word here means a calm, self-controlled mind. In contrast to panic and confusion, right? See, God says, I'm giving you the spirit to not be panicky right now. If you're in a moment of panic, I'm going to tell you, that's not from God. God gives you a spirit of sound mind. See, we need God's strength and power so we can fulfill the purpose that he's given us in our life. And God's purpose in your life is not to be more entertained, not to be more comfortable, not to make more money. That's not God's purpose for your life. God's got a different purpose for your life. He's given you a gift, a gift to help people in the needy world. We're commanded, be strong. I've equipped you to do this. Be strong. Last week, Brian uh, said something as he was preaching. He was here first service. I looked at him and said, Brian, thank you for preaching. You said, he said something in the service that I was sitting out there and I was like, took my pen out and started writing right away. This is what he was talking about. He said, there are times when people make a decision to place their faith in Jesus Christ. You've maybe been at a church service. You maybe been at a camp somewhere where the speaker, the pastor up front said at the very end of the service, all right, with every head bowed, every eye closed, uh, let's pray right now. Who wants to place their faith in Jesus Christ? If you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand right now? You know, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. We've all been there, right? I've done that. I grew up with that. That was the way I was in church. I was like, everybody closes their eyes. Nobody's going to look around, right? So that, that's sort of the way I was raised too. So I've always done, sometimes I'll do an altar call just like that. And, and I was thinking about that. And I was writing this down. And I go, why? Are we ashamed? I don't want anybody to know I'm making a decision for Jesus. So keep your eyes closed. I want to, no, you're looking. No, change my mind. Are we ashamed to place our faith in Jesus Christ? Now, I was thinking about it. It reminded me of a dating experience in college. Now, listen, I'm 31 years happily married to my wife, Jenny, so we're good. So I'm going to just share this dating experience for a second here, okay? There's this girl I was dating back in college. And one day we were sitting in chapel, and she looked at me and she said, Are you ashamed of me? I was like, What do you mean? Well, you hold my hand when we're at the dorm. You hold my hand when nobody's around, but we walk across campus and everyone else. You won't hold my hand. Are you ashamed of me? And I was sitting there thinking, yeah. No, I didn't say that. But I was, <laughs> for a moment there, I was like, no. But I, maybe that's the way I was raised. See, my mom and dad, I don't remember ever seeing my mom and dad really hold hands in public. I, I don't remember that. Now, my dad gave my mom a kiss every single morning before he went to work. And he worked on the farm. So he's just going outside. That was a great, great thing, right? So, but that was about the most affection I remember seeing as a kid. So like, well, maybe you don't hold hands in public. I don't, I don't know why uh, I wouldn't hold her hand. It was just that thing that for me, it's like, I don't know, I'm just not. But here's, I was thinking about this. So when we say we love God, why are we afraid to show it? Are we embarrassed? Can, can I just say this? Can I just say this? That's wrong. It's wrong. For, for us to be able to not say, I want people to know that I'm a Christian, that's wrong. 
I, I told Brian, I said, you know, from now on, if I ever do an altar call of any sort like that, I said, I'm not going to have people close their eyes anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to have you be embarrassed of your faith decision. If you really love Jesus Christ, you want to place your faith in him, raise your hand. Because everybody around here that's going to be sitting next to you are going to cheer you on. They're going to be excited for you. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Going back to college, man, that, that girl, she was ready to dump me. She later did, but she was ready to dump me at that moment because she wanted proof that I cared. And I thought about this. Do you think God feels the same way at times? Do you think God's like, you embarrassed of me? I'm dumping you. Here's the good news. God will never dump you. God will never dump you. Regardless of whether you stand for him or not, he will not dump you. But I do believe he wants you to show publicly your affection for him, which means you stand for him, which means when somebody's talking bad about God, you don't laugh at their jokes about God. You defend the one that loves you. Somebody makes fun of my wife, they're in trouble. I will defend her because I love her. It better be the same way about God. We should defend the one who loves us. If I, if I have a chance to worship him and choose him over other things in my life, or, you know, what am I going to choose? How often do we miss worship or youth group or church or Bible studies or something like that for something that doesn't even really matter in life? We do it all the time, right? Well, I'm just going to miss the Sunday. You know what a Sunday turns into? A couple Sundays. You know what a couple Sundays turns into? A season. You know what a season turns into? A long exit from the church. But, but I still love him, but I'm just not going to worship him with other people. So what really matters then? I mean, do you really love him? It's like, yeah, but don't question my love for him just because I'm not here at church. I'm not saying that. When you're at home, when you're out in public, are you ready to let people know you love Jesus? Or are you ashamed of him? I, I was reading this. There's a scripture in Matthew 10 that sort of like floored me one time. I'm reading this. It says, Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Think about that. That's harsh. There's another translation that says this. Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you, tell, if you turn tail and run... Do you think I'll cover for you? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's like God's, God's telling us right here, he's like, I love you. I'm not ashamed of you. But if you're ashamed of me, if the early church, think about this, if the early church, those first Christians in Acts chapter 1 through 12, if they would have been ashamed of their Jesus, we probably wouldn't have the church today. But they're like, we're going to stand. We're going to stand and be courageous. We're going to be strong and courageous in our faith because we love our God. We love our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want the world to know, well, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be put in jail. You might even be beheaded. I don't care. I love my Savior. Do not deny that Jesus is your Savior. It's so easy, right? Our words, our actions, even our silence, not talking about God is a way we can be embarrassed of him, right? Over the next 10 weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be rooted in our faith. And, and here's why I'm talking about being strong and courageous. Because during this discipleship time, our journey together, you're going to be challenged to maybe step out in your faith a little bit more than you are now. You might be challenged to share your testimony with somebody. You might be challenged to, to witness to somebody you've never done before. You might be challenged to, to give or to pray in a way you've never prayed before. 
And somebody hopefully is going to walk alongside you and hold you accountable. And we're going to say this, be strong, courageous. You're going to be challenged to do this. And I'm going to encourage you to let you know right now, in the strength of God, you can and you will. Because you're equipped. All of you in this church, you are equipped to be strong and courageous. You have his spirit living in you. The one who equips you. Would you stand please? Worship team, would you come forward? I pray that as we grow, church, we will remain strong. The devil's going to try to come in. He's going to try to, to roar and create havoc in your life and tell you, oh, it's okay. Don't, don't listen to what Rex was talking about. Don't do this, don't that, right? But here's the thing. Trust in the strength of God that empowers you. You don't have to listen to my words. I encourage you to listen to God's words. And his words are pretty clear. You have a God who is powerful and strong and encourages you to be strong. And he says, I'm equipping you with my spirit so you can be strong. Stand strong in your faith. Do not be embarrassed of the God who loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he came to this earth to rescue us, to save us, so that someday we could be in your presence. And it's not so much about just going to heaven. But it's being in your presence, the God who loves us. And you are the God who strengthens us and empowers us. And you give us your spirit so that when we, we, we have those moments when something scares us or we don't know if we can really stand up in our faith, we can because you're with us. You've given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Heavenly Father, I pray for this church. As we go on this discipleship journey together. I pray, Lord, that we grow spiritual. We grow closer to you, that, that our roots grow deep into you, Lord, and strong. And that, Lord, that the fruit that comes out of our lives helps those that are in need. There's so many people in this world that need you. And you've chosen us to be those instruments of help. You've given us all here a purpose. So, Lord, help us not to run from the purpose that you've given us, but help us to run towards it with your strength, with your power, with your might. Help us to be strong in you, Lord. In thy name we pray. Amen.